Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. I was 11 years old at my first national championship. I fell I don't know how many times. Michelle Paul is the most decorated figure skater in U.S. history. When I had a dream. My dream came true because I dedicated myself. Dedication made Michelle Kwan a champion. I was passionate about something and I made sure that I worked hard for it. And dedication can make your dreams a reality. Whatever your dream and goals are, they can come true. Dedication. Pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Vin Verga, author of The Soul of All Living Creatures, and I listen to America Meditating Radio. In a light, taking just a minute, I relax my body and become aware of my inner light. I visualize each one of my thoughts weaving itself into this light. I draw from my heart the power of inner peace and the light of love. My thoughts are filled with compassion and forgiveness patience and tolerance.
Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, and that was the wonderful Diana Ross on Reach Out and Touch Somebody's Hand, an oldie but goodie, definitely. And nowadays, we are looking at um, helping each other as much as we can. Um, If you're down, then it's just natural that we do wish to pull you up or... Are you somebody who wants to keep you, keep the other person down while you rise? It's food for thought. Uh, in Washington, it continues to percolate with a lot of heat from the minds of many folks, uh, especially the leadership, but also individuals who are grappling with how do they show up in the country and in the world and make our planet a much better place. And I deeply believe that I can't make a difference until a difference has occurred within my own being. And and it definitely reveals itself in the way that I take care of my own body, take care of my environment that I live in, work in, commute in, but also the way that I even take care of those little creatures with four legs or maybe even two. You know, it's just, I think it has a lot to do with the way that you are inside. You know, we're in the area of McLean and Great Falls, Virginia. And I have to tell you a story. One day, a man came knocking at our door, and Sister Gitu, who at times co-hosted with me on the show, had opened the door, and there was a, a man there, and um, he basically uh, gave a notice that, um, please be aware that I'll be in the area, and I've been hired by someone on the block to help with curtailing the overpopulation of deers in our area. And we live in an area where it's very wooded as well. And um, she sort of looked at him with these gentle eyes and and told the man, you know, I understand you have to earn a living, but can you find another way to do so? I mean, those animals aren't bothering anyone. Okay, a little deer tick here and there. And, you know, we still are the ones invading their property. And so, I would really recommend that you try a new profession. Guys, in two years, he came back again, knocked on the door, and says, you don't know what telling me about changing my occupation did for me at a soul level. And now he's cleaning gutters. And so it was just a great story to me. And I don't think I was this sensitive towards the well-being of animals until uh, Little Love and Happy came into the ashram. And we started to really see the, not that we didn't know before, considering ourselves to be vegetarians, we do feel that we're also contributing to the well-being of the animals in our lives. But I have to tell you that just being with, you know, a pup or an animal in the home and they are domesticated and I always think about the ones that are living just out there in nature that they've adapted to that way but when it's winter when it's the dead of heat you know how they're surviving and i look at little happy in the ashram very fine three square meals a day warmed in the microwave goes to the spa every two weeks or every month is always um met with love and and also gives love and i thought it's so painful to actually hurt that soul and i'm hoping because i believe in other births like reincarnation and by all means if you don't i also honor you but i was thinking about please don't let me be someone that has to hurt animals along the way <laughs> and today really pleases me to welcome our next guest we'll be talking with dr nick trout and dr trout is a staff surgeon at the prestigious 
Angel Animal Medical Center in Boston. He's the author of the three nonfiction books, the New York Times bestseller, Tell Me Where It Hurts, Love is the Best Medicine, and Ever by My Side. His first two novels were Boston Globe bestsellers, and his new standalone novel is The Wonder of Lost Causes, which is scheduled for release on April 30th. Nick's writing has been translated into 16 languages, and his books sell in more than 30 different countries around the globe. He's a passionate advocate for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, and he lives in Massachusetts with his wife, Kathy, and their adopted Labradoodle, Ty. It's my great pleasure to welcome Dr. Nick Trout to the air. Hi, Dr. Nick. Hi, Sister Jenna. Thanks for having me on your show. Did you hear my story about Sister Gita and the guy who was going around shooting the deers in our neighborhood? I did, yes. I enjoyed that. (laughs) It was very painful. I mean, when she told me, I didn't believe her. But then when he came back two years later, I went, oh, really? It did happen. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was so profound. Were you always a lover of animals when you were younger? Or is this something that, was there an event that took place that made you begin to step up and say, I would like to tell stories, and I would like to also help animals along the way. Yes, I grew up with a um, very male-dominant German Shepherd as a kid that was, like many German Shepherd dogs, uh, very very loyal and very obsessed with one one person, that person being my father. And so I bore witness to the relationship between a dog and a man and throughout that dog's life and how important this animal was to him and how hard at the end of the dog's life for my father to let go and say goodbye. And it was, it was a sort of powerful message years in the making that uh, made me say the animals that share our lives have profound value they give an extremely great deal of love, affection, attention, entertainment, joy, without really needing very much from us. And, mm-hmm. and that sort of made me say, there's something here, there's something worthwhile, there's something I should pursue. And that's what I did. Yeah. But at the same time, years later, I said, there's also something I should document. And just over a decade ago, I started actually writing and publishing books about the phenomenal bond that can exist between animals and man, and mankind, I should say, and trying to capture some of that and in, in such a way that at least maybe gets you thinking about this, you know, this, uh, this potential for what I termed in the past, love without the risk. What is it about pets that somehow help us to recognize the better part of our humanity? Because I know that there's also another flip side that actually just recently there was a lady that put six puppies that were born in a garbage can. So, you know, it shows, you know, stuff is going on inside of her and that hurts because I would have just donated them. But then later on in the story, we also heard that I think she had like 20 or 30 dogs living in her house. So what is it about pets that help us to identify that there's a better way that we can be, but also the flip side to that? Well, I think think we sadly these days live in a very short attention span society in which we would rather 
standing in line at a bank or in a store. We'd rather look down and text people or check our social media pages or shove earbuds in our ears and not engage <laughs> our fellow man. And I think what pets do is they slow us down. They simplify life. They, they, mm. they ground us in the emotions that matter. It's this unspoken uh, moment of sharing time. And this, this sort of slowing down, this, you know, they're giving us something that is missing in our lives. And yeah. you know your, your dog or cat isn't going to say a mean word about you. There's going to be no backstabbing. There's going to be uh, every secret, secret you share will be kept. And there's this, this relaxation, this sort of awareness that we are safe together. We can fully trust one another. And in our crazy, fast, uh, impersonal society, that, that kind of relationship is invaluable. Mm-hmm, I get that. Do you remember Lassie? Did you used to watch Lassie when you were younger? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I do remember Lassie. I have uh, seen uh, some of the movies from way back, but I was a I was a pretty small boy at the time. <laughs> oh, you're not as old as I am. Okay, oops. That's <laughs> okay. Um, I'm looking forward to a new movie coming out called A Dog's Journey because it also talks about the fact that the soul of the dog reincarnates and the love that sometimes the soul of the animal can take for so many, many generations to come. And we have our mascot in studio, Happy. And it always just tickles me when I have to travel, which is quite often, but uh, when I do get a chance where I can't take her with me or I can't go out to a meeting or something and take her with me, and she basically goes everywhere with us. She's a service animal. She's went to a dog academy and so on. But whenever I leave her, Dr. Trout, and I come back, she just looks at me like, why did you go without me? It was just like the cutest <laughs> look. But I, I just, I just always find it so fascinating. So you have said that, you know, dogs, unlike people, have learned to live their lives without regret, which I think is very powerful. What are some other lessons that maybe you have learned from your years of serving the animal population? I know you mentioned a few now, but I thought this whole thing about regret was very powerful. Could you elaborate? Yeah, um, I think part of the reason I wrote this book was because of my experiences as a parent of a child with cystic fibrosis, an incurable illness, um, a genetic disorder, and a disorder that is the number one genetic killer of children and young adults in in this country. And so what this uh, parental experience taught me was this fear of losing a child in my own lifetime. Mm -hmm. Uh, which goes very much against the natural order, if we can call it that, of, you know, our children should outlive us. And then I started to think about this in the context of what I do in my day job. I have a multitude of owners who once upon a time would whisper in my ear and blush and say, you know, my dog is like my child. These days, really in the last 20 years, owners are 
walking straight in and saying, I want you to appreciate that this is my child, that my, I love this animal no less than if we shared DNA. And in that context, I became aware of pet owners' fear of losing an animal in their lifetime, like a child, very similar to my fears. And so I think what I started to look at was the way in which when I'm learning as a parent, I could transpose to help pet owners with their anticipatory grief and fear of losing that animal that they love so dearly in the same way as I fear losing a child. And I think that is something that has very much affected me professionally. Mm, Um, I hope it helps me in my relationship with pet owners in a way that they don't feel awkward and embarrassed because I get it. And so I think what I'm saying in that line about living without regret is trying to let us know that when you when you look at an animal and the way they savor their life, they they really do everything. You know, there's no first, second, third, or fourth gear. It's straight into fifth gear. They yes, live for the moment. True. They there's no bad hair days. There's no this is uh, out to make my my backside look fat. You know, it's they just are enjoying life. They're living every moment. And I think yes. if you do that, then at the end of their life, they can very confidently say, I lived without regret. Mm, that's beautiful. Well said. Congratulations on your new book, The Wonder of Lost Causes. Now, while this book is a novel, Dr. Trout, I understand that it is also quite personal. And is that connected to what you just shared with me, too, about you know, the the correlation of what your son's going through as well as when you look at an animal. You know, how do you just live in the present moment? Was that the genesis of the authoring of the book? Yeah, I mean, I think it was the the experience of saying, I want to share my fears and my hopes as a parent. And at the same time, I want to share that professional animal-related aspect it's actually my daughter who has cystic fibrosis, and right. she, like, like you describe, has a service dog. And I have been privy to the importance of that experience for her. Um, the, the disease cystic fibrosis has rendered her many times in a hospital for periods of several weeks to over a month in essentially isolation. And what that means is that doctors are showing up with gowns and masks and gloves and nurses as well. And it's very impersonal. It's very isolating. Yet there is one creature who gets to go in there and change everybody's lives. She goes in, Mm. Bella, her service dog, gets to go in, make people laugh, share some love, put dog hair everywhere and annoy the nurse (laughs) at no end. Um, But... You know, there is that that special connection I see between someone who needs a soul in their lives as well as the the joy the dog gets from this relationship. And Mm. that made me want to write about a story about a boy with CF, what he goes through, his desire to have a dog in his life, his mother's 
fear if he has a dog in his life and also her fear of the future, what it will hold, what she will have to go through, what she may lose, all those things that I can relate to and also mm-hmm. put in there that inspirational potential that can be unlocked when you get, a, in this case, a dog in your life. Yeah, there are so many positives when it comes on to pets in the home and especially a dog. Just how it brings out the best part of you if you're open to it. And may I ask you a personal question, Dr. Trout? How's your daughter sure. doing now? Uh, she's she's okay. She's, she's mm. 26 years old. She's oh, uh, listed for double lung and liver transplant at the moment. Uh, so we are going through... Um, challenging time but we are my wife and I are being positive as is my daughter that this is uh, has the potential to be uh, a new phase of life and mm-hmm. uh, we, we just keep pushing forward um, you know it's there's not much to think about we are going to uh, do everything we can for her sure lots of blessings and good wishes your way for that uh, that can be yeah, that can be pretty intense for for anyone. Some people feel that animals aren't as intelligent. And in many societies, animals are treated very inhumanely. When I go to India, it's just so striking to see those animals on the street, and so many of them get hit by cars. What do we need to understand about the intelligence and emotions of animals? And have you ever thought about why is it that human beings just can't just learn from each other? We, you know, we we have to now turn to animals for that. Is it that we're just not feeling safe enough with each other anymore and we're just needing something a little bit more neutral? Yeah, I mean, I think I think mm. I think insecurity is uh, is pervasive in society in so many different aspects and shows itself, unfortunately, in a plethora of negative ways. We boast more. We want more. We want to show the world that we do more. And none of these things are particularly healthy or ultimately helpful to to our own well-being. And I think. You know, there's, there are cultures in the world that think far less of the animals that share their lives. And some of it, I think, is that they've, they've never had the opportunity to realize how much they can get back, for, as I said before, for giving very little. You mentioned India, and yet I have many Indian clients who have embraced dogs in their lives and will do absolutely anything to maximize their animal's health. So it's not a, um, you know, it's, it's not a race or creed issue. It's perhaps a cultural issue. Um, and I think it doesn't matter where you are in the world. There are still places where that ability to, of an individual perhaps in a third world country to tap into what an animal can give them will become potentially folkloric in, you know, in tales from that country. I think, you know, sadly poverty is a player in this. You know, can I, can I afford to keep an animal in my life? Can right. I afford the, the type of care that is required to maximize this animal's health? And these are all very, very tough areas to discuss, but I think there is, given a chance, the potential for anyone, anywhere, 
to mm-hmm. to gain something forceful and positive from an animal, regardless of whether it be a cat, a dog, a canary, a snake. <laughs> right. You know, that it does it doesn't have to be four legged and furry for you to say, I enjoy sharing my time with this animal and I get a great deal from this experience. Okay, this is where you've got me now. I'm gonna be a little bit concerned about I never thought about this. But I would get a lot of discomfort being around a snake, a crocodile, or an alligator, or something like that. And I've never thought of that. I've never thought of that. I would run from a snake, but I wouldn't run from a cat. Why is that? Right. Is it that I don't understand? That's obviously (laughs) some sort of (laughs) deep-seated sort of folkloric fear that has been perpetuated in you over time that uh, yeah. the snake is seen as a, as a negative creature and yet yes. you know I, I've, I've done surgery on snakes before and I, I don't tend to see them very often these days but I know a lot of people keep pet snakes and they're very happy to engage with them and get a lot of joy from that and if, if that works both ways then so be it True, true. I love that. But it's something that I'm going to be thinking about. Are you planning to write any? <laughs> are you planning to write any more additional books in the future? Yes, yes. I, um, it's a it sort of worms its way inside you and makes you think. Oh yeah, what about doing this or doing that? So yeah, I have a another few projects that I'm thinking about and uh, will be exploring over the next few weeks and months to see whether they have the potential to work their way into another book. Oh, good. Well, congratulations in advance to that. And um, any other remarks you'd like to share as we come to a close of our lovely conversation? Yeah, I think, you know, people have asked me, why is your book titled The Wonder of Lost Causes? And I have to confess that I I hate uh, thinking of titles. But mm. the best titles for me are always the ones where you look back and go, that was so obvious. And in this instance, I think it's really obvious because the story is about a boy with an incurable illness who for some people might think of as a lost cause. The story is about a dog, this unadoptable, beaten up old dog who potentially will never find a forever home and that he's a lost cause. And yet... You put these two together and something magical. And that's the wonder at the core of this book. Got it. Beautiful. Well said. Well, look, thank you so much for joining us on air. And please leave us with a website that we can know more about your work, upcoming work. Yes. It's uh, drnicktrout.com. That's easy. Thank you so much. And all the very best. And look, many, many blessings to your beautiful daughter. Thank you so much, Sister Jenna. Thanks for having me on the show. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Take care. So, folks, we can really learn a lot from our animals uh, around even... Okay, I'm going to need a little bit of time with the snake bit, but we can learn a lot, perhaps, from all living creatures. And if we can just know more about who we are and the way that we can show up to find a way that, you know, we can all honor each other's space and create more of a peaceful, harmonious energy, then they, too, will remain that way as well. I believe that. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed our chit-chat. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. Here's Marla Maples on her track called The Pearl. Take care.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.